0: Everybody. welcome back to Di Sci Podcast. I'm your host Ross Carroll. I'll be talking about the intersection of do-it-yourself culture and science. Um, so we like to look at topics related to, you know, how ingenuity can be uh, brought into the sciences. That is, say, how we can. Uh, hack stuff together for scientific purposes, or take lessons from the scientific world and bring them into, say, our everyday lives. Um, so a lot of what I've talked about so far deals with the Arduino microcontrollers. Um, that really exemplifies this idea of DIY, as I think of it. Um, not only is this a useful tool, in our everyday lives, we can find some sort of application for a little electronic brain that can react to stuff, right? Um, but it's moreover useful in the sciences. This is a tool we can use to record sensor readings, all right? Um, we in the sciences generally love that kind of stuff. Um, so I've already had a couple episodes so far where i discussed Arduinos, Um some specific examples. I kind of talked fairly generally about what an Arduino is, why I would want to use an Arduino, and we had a little bit of a detour. I got sick, and then I decided to uh, nerd out about high-altitude balloons. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed my little talk last time about high-altitude balloons. That was the first of many, I'm sure. I've, I've caught the bug, and I'm kind of addicted to this uh, high-altitude ballooning stuff. Um, so I'll be talking quite a lot more in the future about putting Arduinos and little computers into the near space with these um, high-altitude balloons. And of course, I uh, introduced y'all to this uh, eclipse ballooning project, i'm uh, especially excited about this is a once in a lifetime opportunity we're going to have here where there's going to be about 57 teams launching high altitude balloons during um, the total solar eclipse coming up in august 21st 2017 all right don't miss it we will be live streaming that um, from the stratosphere. I think that'll be particularly neat. Note, that event will be occurring over many hours. It's important that uh, you experience this eclipse personally, okay? Don't just sit back and watch our live streams. Um, Get as close to totality as you feasibly can, and experience that with your own um, senses, okay? All that media will be around afterwards. There will even be some beforehand, unless you're on the coast of Oregon. So it's important you uh, try to experience this at the personal level. Um, Then kind of look at our live stream, all that fun stuff. So whatever the case, um, we're going to go back today, still talking about Arduinos. I've got about a five-part series talking about Arduinos. I'll uh, probably mix things up and talk about a few other topics along the way. But suffice it to say, we've already discussed the uh, what is Arduino, why should I use Arduino, and now we're at where is Arduino. Um, a bit of a a nebulous topic there. Where is Arduino? Well, I mean that in a uh, partly abstract sense. Where did this come from ultimately? But I want to use this ultimately as an opportunity to discuss lots of different applications for Arduinos. Um, When we see that Arduinos Really are all over the place, we can start to see how it might impact us not only at the personal level but societal impacts. All right um, cut to the chase, it's underwater, it's on land, it's in the air, and uh, it's in space or at least near space all right so whatever the case, um, where is Arduino? Well, again, we've uh, discussed a little bit about how Arduino is sort of this um, catch-all term we generally use to describe microcontrollers. Um, if you're in the fields or if you do deal with this stuff quite a lot, you use very, uh, well, much more precise language, if you will. Um, not every microcontroller out there is a quote unquote Arduino. We generally understand that. Um, but it's very much like a facial tissue, if you will. Um, there's one brand in particular most of us refer to, even though we're probably talking about other brands. All right. Whatever the case, um, Arduino is a legitimate company. and it was ultimately a project that stemmed from a master's thesis project Um, so there's a master's thesis project at the Interaction Design Institute in Ivrea I'm probably pronouncing that wrong Ivrea, Italy Um, so Ivrea, Italy let me take a look here it's um, in Turin so here we're talking about Northern Italy, um, very neat little design institute there in Ifria. Um So, Hernando um, Barragon was the student who was doing a master's thesis then. Um, and under uh, Massimo Bonzi, uh, Massimo Bonzi is basically the face of arduino alright he is arduino to a large degree massimo bonzi and his team there at uh, idii interaction design institute ivria um, ultimately produced this arduino microcontroller alright so it was a, a test if you will if we could ultimately create a device that can allow just about anyone, particularly non-engineers, to interface with a microcontroller right, for physical computing. Right? We'd like to be able to create some sort of action based on hitting a button or maybe making a certain noise, you name it. We'd like a platform that has many types of inputs, we can use sort of general purpose inputs, but we also want general purpose outputs. We'd like to be able to send data, let's say, out to a little speaker. So we make noise. Maybe we want to send that data out to the internet. We want to send a tweet. There's one sort of output there. Or maybe we want to drive motors on a 3D printer, for instance. Um, note with this platform, we have general purpose inputs and outputs that really make the thing um, as useful as it is All right. so kind of cut to the chase here when when I talk about where Arduino is and we see how it's all over the place well for that very reason we have general purpose device that lets us take inputs and configure outputs right? so we can make use of that for scientific purposes, say logging temperature data in a particular location. Say we have a remote location, we want to measure how much uh, rainfall there's been, for instance. Or maybe we want something a bit more nefarious or um, pranksterish, if you will, right? So we have a laser tripwire that initiates uh, an air horn whenever someone walks into your room. All of that kind of stuff can ultimately be um, prototyped very quickly with this Arduino device. So if you go back and look at this history of Arduino, you see its uh, infancy there at the Interaction Design Institute. Um, And you compare that to where things have gone. It's really... um, really become an ecosystem, if you will. It's not just a singular device letting us communicate with a singular electronic brain, if you will. Nowadays, these Arduino chips and all their competitors, all this, come in numerous form factors with numerous um, capabilities. Again, at their core, it's an electronic brain that can take inputs and generate outputs Okay. now maybe what I want is a miniature device so maybe I go with something like an Arduino micro an Arduino micro basically the Arduino Uno scaled down to a much smaller chip right? maybe I want something with a lot more capabilities than that um, that sort of standard Arduino Uno well, in that case, there's stuff like the Arduino Mega, which is a m- much larger board. So it's it's uh, physically larger than that Arduino Uno, and a- what it ultimately does is provides um, numerous input-output capabilities there. So it's basically stacked full of general-purpose input-output pins, Um what's particularly useful there that one board the arduino mega whose whole purpose is to provide more capabilities than that standard uh, arduino uno that's very much the backbone of modern desktop 3d printing Right. so we may think of 3d printing as a separate field from this physical computing stuff um, But note, at its core, the electronics that control these things, which the desktop 3D printer is basically a robotic hot glue gun. A robot moves a tool head within three-dimensional space while squirting out uh, hot plastic. Very much a uh, robotic hot glue gun. Well, at its core, we have inputs. We tell it where we want that tool head to go, how much plastic to squirt out in the process, at what temperature we want that hot glue gun tool head to be at, you name it. All these inputs get processed, in this case, by an Arduino Mega, or something very similar to that. And that then turns into outputs. So that chip can communicate with motor controllers, tell the motor controllers to divert current, um, to a motor at a particular time all that ultimately gives us a sort of coordinated ballet of motors that ultimately creates physical objects right again the thing moves down to one z height if you will, to one height draws an image if you will in two dimensions from a one-dimensional tools very much like when we get a piece of paper we draw with a point we draw lines on a two-dimensional surface to create a two-dimensional image there well this 3D printer then steps on top of that moves up just a little bit and repeats the process thereby creating a three-dimensional object Sounds reasonably complicated at its core. Well, it is. Um, What's particularly nice, thanks to Arduino and this open source movement, the DIY culture out there, we ultimately have these capabilities where we can make use of these open source projects to create desktop 3D printers or desktop 3D carvers, uh, laser cutters, You name it. We have all these digital fabrication tools nowadays that at their core make use of these Arduinos. In fact, many um, devices themselves will either use an Arduino with a bunch of extra electronics attached to it, like the motor drivers and such, or they'll take that basic electronic layout and make their own. Version of it, if you will. So, if you look at some of the companies out there like Printerbot, for instance, um, they basically take an Arduino Mega and all the motor controllers, and rather than having them on multiple circuit boards that basically snap together, well, you can take all those components and pack them onto a single printed circuit board. And there you have. You've essentially gone from a general purpose microcontroller, like the Arduino Arduino Mega in this case, and you've made a specialized device, in that case a 3D printer controller. All right. um, note this basic uh, mode of taking the general purpose devices and then building upon them to make more specific devices this is where things get really interesting all right so this general purpose device then allows us to create these ecosystems within that so we can innovate things in terms of making 3d printers better if we want or we could focus on totally different things like um, making drones for instance all right again, you take your remote control helicopter or remote controlled uh, aerial vehicle or remote control vehicle of any sort. Really, at its core, you're going to have to have some microcontrollers in there. All right. So the Arduino's provide a convenient way that just about anyone can get into making their own robots, making their own aerial vehicles and 3D printers or laser tripwires that blow air horns whenever someone goes where they shouldn't be. Again, I can sit here for ages and ages and keep rambling on about different applications for these Arduinos. So I'm particularly interested in just the act of creating these circuits and working through the software to develop an Arduino based device Um, that kind of stuff really interests me, Um, maybe not so much for everybody though Um, nice thing about Arduinos this new maker movement if you will you can find some part of this community out there who's doing something you're interested in and you can essentially just join that community and benefit from it. Um, So I'm particularly interested in 3D printing and looking at the processes for making stuff. So a lot of the stuff that goes behind the digital fabrication tools. um, Seeing how I can implement that in my own research lab, in my teaching, all that fun stuff. Um, Maybe you're interested in gardening, for instance. Um, There... Well, there's certainly plenty of applications we can think of for a little electronic brain that can act based on sensor readings. Right? So we can have moisture sensors, pressure, temperature, humidity, all that fun stuff where we can start quantifying our garden for instance. And transmitting that data or you know, actionable intelligence over the internet for instance. Or even automating the process. Um, again, I can sit here for ages, and think of example after example where this might be useful for us. Um, again, whether it's explicitly for scientific purposes or we're just trying to have fun. All right. Okay, so we'll uh, leave off today on this week's DIY uh, recommendation or spotlight, whatever I end up calling this. Um, So along the same lines of last week, um, my recommendation after talking about high-altitude ballooning was to take a look at the Eclipse Ballooning Project. Um, This week, I want to highlight the um, Montana State University um, Ballooning Group. That is the Borealis Group at Montana State University. Um, they're very much the driving force behind that eclipse ballooning project and moreover they're a really awesome group of people um, that really exemplify that idea of incorporating not just science but that do-it-yourself ethic of um, I have some objective I'm gonna get it done one way or the other they have Really cool little setup there in Bozeman, Montana. Lots of 3D printers and fabrication tools um, at their disposal for doing really fun uh, high-altitude ballooning. That is the Borealis Group. Um, so that's an acronym for Balloon Outreach Research, Exploration, and Landscape Imaging System. It's a bit of a stretch, um, but we scientists love doing that kind of stuff so i would highly encourage you all to check out the borealis um, that is spacegrant.montana.edu if you look for montana state university ballooning you'll end up uh, finding them they've got a decent website there um, you can take a look at some of the fun projects that they've been doing One thing that really stood out for me whenever we visited Montana State University last summer, um, one of their students did a senior design project that amounted to multiplexing cameras on a Raspberry Pi. Alright, so make sense of that. This Raspberry Pi is a small, very small little single board computer be talking about that extensively in future episodes. Um, But in a nutshell, it's a small computer that has a a special little um, camera interface on there. Uh, That camera, I can take one picture at a time. That's all and well, but if I wanted eight cameras, for instance, it's not going to help me. So this particular student designed a circuit and developed some software that lets him connect up to eight of these cameras to a single computer. Um, The software basically only uses one of these at a time, but can do so intelligently. Um, So essentially, the idea there is to have a network, up to eight cameras on a balloon payload, um, and basically ask it questions like, Hey, can you take a picture of whichever camera is pointing closest to due east? Um, there we could get a bunch of images of each camera whenever it's pointing due east, for instance. Um, that, as well as constructing um, spherical panorama images there, the so particularly useful uh, application for that project, but that's just one of the many research projects that you'll find with the uh, Montana State Borealis group there. Um, The more I look at the stuff they do, the more amazed I am, and uh, very glad to be part of this eclipse ballooning project that they've been um, administering. So, without further ado, we'll leave it off there, folks, and we'll see you next week.